old I just graduated college I'm moving to Brooklyn soon but right now I'm still living in my parents basement uh, most of the recordings for um, the first album were done in my room that comes through in a lot of my music that kind of uh, feeling um, you know I do get out definitely um, but uh, I would say my music is kind of more going inward than going outward started playing music I would be really nervous and my guitar would always go out of tune when I was playing and I don't know if it's like maybe the vibrations of me being nervous or I don't think I sweat a lot but for some reason it would always go out of tune and it doesn't really happen anymore but I don't understand why that is welcome to music live radio I'm your host Dan Sauter today on the program we have Aviv Khan I first learned of Aviv on Danny LaBelle's radio show, Comical Radio. Check them out at comicalradio.com. You can also check out Danny LaBelle's episode. It's number 19, Comical Splendor, on Music Live Radio archives. Anyway, getting back to Aviv. He's a young singer-songwriter. He's played with David Peel and the Lower East Side Band. He's also released his first album under the moniker The Whitest Smiling Faces. He's got a lot of potential, and his music is really cool. So we're going to get it right into the interview. Music Has Colors with Aviv Khan. Thank you for checking out Music Live Radio. Welcome, Aviv Khan, to the show. Nice to be here. Would you please describe your background, where you grew up, and what kind of music you listen to? I grew up in Long Beach, New York, which is uh, in Long Island, um, um, right by the beach, as one would assume. Um, I listen to a lot of, uh, I would say I listen to a, a pretty um, wide range of music, um, and it's definitely changed um, my music tastes change and what I listen to most. Um, but these days I've been listening to a lot of uh, Boards of Canada. I've been listening to um, a lot of Weezer these days. I've been listening to a lot of These Days these days. And uh, that's a good, I like that song. And um, Yeah. What, what kind of inspired you to get interested in music in the beginning, though, in your early days? As with most people, I've always been really into music. Like um, when I was a little kid, I used to write songs in my head. Though I didn't have any instruments, I didn't have a guitar or a piano or anything like that. But I would always 
write songs in my head and write melodies in my head. And I always thought I could be a musician. And then um, one day, right about two months before I turned 16, uh, my parents got me a guitar. I didn't even ask for one. They just got me one. Um, a cheap guitar. I still have it. I still write a lot of songs on it. And uh, I just got really into it. What was the guitar brand? It was a, a Yamaha. And I think it's a CG201. I can... I don't have the lights on in my room. I could double check, but <laughs> it's a it's a nylon uh, it's a nylon string guitar. It's very it's very commonly used. I saw a video of the Black Lips, and they were using that same guitar. And when I in high school, and there's a guitar class, they had a whole like room full of those nylon guitars. So it's a pretty standard nylon string guitar. And I think it I think it's uh, aside from not having a truss rod, I think it's a pretty uh, good piece of. Uh, equipment. Is that so? That's a classical layout guitar. Yeah, it's got you know the nylon strings and the wide neck and the you know the the womanly body. <laughs> yeah. So you picked up guitar. Uh, when did you start playing music? Uh, right when I got the guitar. I mean, the first thing I did was really just like put my hands in random places and um, put my hands in random places and just make sounds and until I found a sound that that was good and then I move it to another place and find something else that sounded good and just try and combine them. I mean, I mean, obviously it got more complicated as I, as I played more, but um, the first thing I did before I even knew how to play, I was, I was writing stuff. In some of the other interviews that I read, uh, you started taking lessons, but it was more as a platform to show your instructors what you were creating. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I I took lessons. I definitely, I think I benefited from them, but uh, I didn't really do what I was supposed to do. Um, and it was kind of really, I, but I, I think I benefited mainly in the sense that um, uh, I'm the kind of person that really likes to uh, share my music with people and and um, see their reaction to it and experience their reaction. So um, especially back in those days, you know, it was a good source. It helped uh, helped encourage me to keep on writing and to get into the uh, rhythm of, of writing regularly and changing stuff. Do you remember the first song that you wrote? I remember the first piece of music that I wrote that I thought was, you know, a pretty something pretty good. Um, I don't remember the exact first um full i mean i think i know what the first song with words that i wrote was i do think i remember um but there may have been stuff before that that i just kind of forgot because i I wasn't as impressed with it when did you start performing in front of people before i was playing guitar i used to write a lot of poetry and read it to people when i was a a kid and i would sing in like town even though i couldn't really sing i would like sing talent shows and like do karaoke and stuff like that so i was always kind of interperforming for people uh, and like comedy stuff and I was always the class clown though I kind of as I got into guitar I kind of became less of a class clown and more of a guitar kid and it wasn't really that that advanced I mean I would just go and I would like sing I would make up like parodies of other songs and then like make funny songs or I would go and um I would just write poetry and I'd like read it to the class. Like everyone would take turns reading their stuff to the class and I was kind of more into it than some of the other people were. But um, I, I don't really know if I had, at that age, I don't know if I had really like influences 
How about motivation? What was the motivation for you to get up in front of people? A lot of people that would, you know, scare the bejesus out of. I think I think I just kind of like the attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably it. Will you follow my lead It's cold, but it's warm in my mind. And the sun in my window stands in me. But the blinds, they just block out the light. My green room cannot be, cause it's blue and not green. And the carpet's below the TV. Did you ever start playing in any bands uh, after you've been playing guitar for a while? Yeah, I've been in I've been in some bands. Uh, I haven't been in a band that I've really stuck with for a long time. Um, I played. Um, I used to try and find a lot of bands in high school, but it, it didn't work out. And uh, um, I tried to put some bands together through Craigslist, but those also didn't really work out. Probably because I'm on Long Island, Long Beach, and was too far um i played um lead guitar for david peel for like a year but that didn't i kind of you know i did that and then i was ready to do something else it was taking a lot of time and um mostly i've just been playing solo more than been more than playing with a band uh i've played i've performed with other musicians who have like accompanied me but i've always kind of tried to you know being in control of my own destiny. You mentioned uh, David Peel. Let's get into that just a little bit. Um, he's a pretty legendary performer, New York performer. Goes back, you know, into the. I think he started performing in the late '60s and been around for quite a long time, and and really made a pretty major impact on a lot of people. What was it like? How did you get the gig playing with David Peel to begin with? Well, um, I played a show at the Knitting Factory back when that was in Manhattan, um, and. Uh, he was playing after me, but uh, I finished my set, and he was recording the set, and uh, he took some photos of the set, and he you know, told me he liked my music, and he gave me his card. And then um, a, a few weeks later, a week or so later, he asked me if I wanted to come and jam with his band, and I said yes, but it didn't actually happen. I never, you know, He asked me if I wanted to jam, but I never actually got a date and time. And um, about a year passed after that, and I kind of remembered... And at that point, I kind of knew who he was more, and I figured that, you know, I should try and see whether I could get back into that. And um, I fat went to one of his shows, and I just kind of started talking to him before the show, and I kind of just followed him and his band around. And uh, they went to the rhythm, before the show, the rhythm guitarist lived nearby, and we went to the rhythm guitarist and had some ice cream. And uh, I asked if I could play the guitar, and I, I played some songs. And um, he asked me if I wanted to play guitar for the band, and that was it. Wow, how did that feel? It felt it felt pretty exciting. I mean, uh, it's nice to... I didn't expect that to happen. I mean, I, I really just thought that maybe it would be like a connection or maybe we could play some shows together or something like that. It was pretty exciting um, to be asked to play, especially because at that time I didn't really play. Nowadays, I have 
I've spent a bit more time now that I have an electric, I've spent more time practicing like lead stuff, but at that time I, I didn't really have that much experience with it. So, um, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of exciting and I was a bit nervous because I, it wasn't something that, that I really knew how to do that well. So I kind of, it kind of was good because I kind of had to develop a new style where I was kind of like finger picking lead and I would kind of like arpeggiate chords and ways that would kind of sound like lead but weren't and it was kind of fun i definitely enjoyed it he he taught me a lot and it was a good experience well that's great would you say that you were basically the lead guitar player for the lower east side or was this like a different project that dave was working on at the time well i i only played one show with him actually i was invited to another show but i had dislocated my shoulder so i couldn't play that show there were like there was more than one lead guitarist. I guess I was one of them. It was kind, it's kind of complicated. I was in his band, and you know, we would have a lot of practices, but we wouldn't have that many shows, and that was kind of one of the reasons that I uh, I started, um, you know, doing my own thing. As so I kind of it was taking a lot of time, and I really just wanted to play more of my own shows. Okay, I understand. So you played with him for a year, and you guys did one show, but you learned a lot from him over that that year period. Yeah. Okay. How was that one show? Can you talk about that? Tell us a story about it. There was a good crowd. It was in, um, I forgot, it was in one of the parks. It was either in Tompkins Square Park or or one of those parks, and we played, and um, I brought, you know, I think it was the first show I played with my electric guitar and my 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 at that point newfound tube amp and uh, i played some some electric guitar and it was pretty fun it was loud and i enjoyed it i kind of just find random things interesting i think many people would probably feel the same way but sometimes you you just experience something and for some reason it just makes your head feel all warm and you just get this inspiration feeling and you, you really want to write or play or something like that and that's basically and also a lot of times i write songs when i don't feel inspired at all i'll be sitting there and i'll just be playing guitar and i'll find myself playing something and it'll sound good and then i'll have a song so you know sometimes when i feel inspired i don't really write anything and when i don't feel inspired i i uh, i write a lot so but it kind of just seems to happen randomly can you recall any specific examples of that happening um, sure. Uh, there was a time, it was my second year of college. I was a sophomore and, um, I was kind of feeling depressed because I hadn't written a song in a while and I was taking a nap and, uh, I heard a sound from, um, from, um, the student center and I woke me up and I walked to go and hear the music. And, um, by the time I got there, the concert was over and that kind of didn't improve my mood very much. Um, and I was kind of walking back to go back to sleep and there was like no one walking around and it was dark and I just kind of heard this marching band kind of music like da na 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 like kind of like a marching band playing it and I came back and I took that melody and I, I had the words to edge of a knife you know already written and I just kind of put them to that melody and then figured out chords and then that's how the song got written
my desk and I sip at my cup I sink in my seat, I stare at the screen The day is a lie and the night's got no dreams And I'm tired of waiting forever to say Where I'm going or hoping to be the next day Like a man who's forgotten the pleasures of being The meaning of breathing, the reason for seeing The feeling of light like a man on the edge of a knife And for the life of me I can't believe it's gotten so tight You moan and you scream and you toss in your sheets But no sound comes out and no motion's released Cause you're scared to deflate or evaporate Cause all that you love is the rage in your veins Like you always thought it was gonna be But never thought you'd see it And you put your hand in your pocket and lean against the wall And the wall starts to break and your arm dislocates And you just can't escape through those long prison gates Or the mirror in the bathroom or the carpet in the hall or the guitar with wooden stains and you're trying to play Some people walking outside and I wonder Do they feel the way I feel or care the way I care Or mind the way I mind Or do they know the reasons for being alive Not just to survive but to thrive and to climb to the top of a hill With the wind in your hair and the sky in your eyes And say I've got no fear of whatever arrives And to dive and to fly and to swim in your skin Like you've never been fearful of anything me music is kind of the least intelligent and also the most intelligent art form because as opposed to something like poetry i feel like poetry is kind of very uh stuck up and you'll you'll look at a book of poetry and it'll have they'll talk about which where which ivy league school each poet went to and and uh, you know what they're you know what they studied and and all that and and you know and music is kind of it's really just, it's about, you know, just connecting with people. It's not about, you know, writing a chat book or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, there's, you know, there's a saying, a picture can say a thousand words. Well, I think a song can, can say like a thousand pictures. Um, I definitely feel that, that um, music stimulates the other senses. Um, when you listen to music, even if it's instrumental, I feel like... It, you hear like you just get the same kind of feeling this than you get along that you would get from reading a poem or looking at a picture of it simultaneously, and you get a lot more. Um, so I think music really just kind of engages the whole mind, and it's um, something very powerful. You mentioned that you see music a lot of times as color. Do you literally mean that? Do you have synesthesia? Or is that just a metaphor to describe uh, the different textures that music? can bring about well there are different kinds of synesthesia there are some people that have um, projective synesthesia and they'll physically see like flashes of color i don't physically see flashes of color but um for example i'll listen to something and it it will be a color like i'll listen to a guitar melody and that melody will be blue or will be green and i can't really describe it um in more complicated terms than that other than that's just what it is or it'll be a mix of colors or it'll be one color wrapped around another color with like other colors on the fray and stuff like that but it just 
it is that just is that just like you know a wall is blue the music is blue um and i don't see blue like in front of me it just like it, it just is yeah so you equate that particular piece of music to a color yeah but it's not a it's not a metaphor though it like it yeah. is it, it is that. it is that so it sounds like a form of synesthesia yeah i would say i would say yeah. so no, well, that's interesting. One of the most powerful musical experiences I ever had. I was in the uh, you know student building, the music building um, at my school, where they have the concerts. I actually forgot the name of the building. It's kind of embarrassing, even though I said it earlier. But uh, I was in that building, and there was a concert. Someone was playing a synthesizer, and I was walking, and it just sounded so blue. Like, it just sounded, it sounded like it was right in front of me. And I just kind of wanted to, like, fall over and just, like, it was just it was like very striking how clearly colorful it sounded and those are the kind of as lame as it sounds as boring as it sounds those are the kind of things that like really interest me like really lame boring things like colors and music and listening to someone play a synthesizer boring i find boring things very interesting i'm not i'm not sure why i'm kind of one of those people that uh that doesn't doesn't act Overly emotionally, but uh, I think it comes out in other ways. Um, I, I I would say that I'm usually uh, pretty level-headed, or you know, and I I mean I definitely can be very emotional, but uh, I would say that uh, music is and art is one of my uh, main outlets for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, listening to your music, that seems to be a pretty large variety of i would i would say emotional feelings coming forth from that it's not a shallow emotional uh album at all (laughs) well i'm glad you think so i think a lot of music these days i think i think it's getting better actually i think the music right now is very very good but uh, a few years ago it was pretty bad because there was a lot of um, fake emotion and i think for a while, our culture was kind of trying to adapt to uh, a lot of fakeness because we were dealing with like the internet and stuff, and you'd see people like painting their emotions on their faces, and they just look like stupid clowns. <laughs> and um, their their music would be, you know, stupid clown music, and it wasn't very sincere. And uh, and I think there's still a lot of very insincere stuff in music. But um, I think it's definitely getting better. And I think music right now is, is pretty good. Yeah, there seems to be a pendulum effect in music, you know, all throughout time. And it seems to go from, uh, you know, very pop, superficial back to a little bit more, uh, you know, real and emotional. And then it kind of swings back. That's something that's um, interesting. I've also kind of noticed that. Um, the retro thing is kind of speeding up. Like we, it started out with the garage rock retro stuff, and then, then there was the '80s retro stuff. Now it's, now it's kind of like the '90s retro stuff, and soon it'll be like the 2000s retro stuff, and we'll probably get like Kid A and stuff like that again. It's like going faster and faster, and I'm, I'm just curious to see what'll happen when it catches up with itself. Yeah, the pendulum uh, arc is getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, it's pretty like soon. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty soon something from 2000 is going to be considered classic. And, think, and maybe it already is. <laughs> well, it's, ten, it's crazy to think that it's 10 years ago. Yeah, but, um, it's true. <laughs> 
All right, so let's get into your music specifically now. How did you come up with the moniker "The Whitest Smiling Faces"? Um, well, it's kind of like one of those uh, phrases that just kind of stuck out for me. I used it, and I think I used it in one story, and I think it had kind of been bouncing around in my mind before that. I thought it suited my music. I think it kind of suits myself. I think people kind of react to smiles. People have like mixed reactions to smiles, and uh, no, I mean people definitely have positive reactions to them. But there's also an insincere smile, and it's very unsettling. That kind of feeling of is something that kind of got transferred over. I think to my uh, my band name. I thought it was just a good name. When you recorded this album, which you call "The Widest Smiling Faces," was it all you? Or did you incorporate any other performers? And when you do live performances, do you incorporate any other performers or do you strip stuff down to just yourself? Um, the album is all me. Um, everything I, I recorded, I produced it, I mixed it. Um, everything, well, the Edge of a Knife I didn't mix. I didn't mix Edge of a Knife, but other than that, and I didn't record that. But other than that, every everything on there is me. Um, uh when I perform, I, I have performed with other musicians. Um, usually I perform solo. And, um, yeah. Do you perform solo acoustic or solo electric or mix of both? I kind of perform solo electric nowadays. I used to perform solo acoustic. Now I perform solo electric, but I kind of play the electric like it was an acoustic. Like I just played it the exact same way. Um, and I think it still sounds good. How long did it take you to complete this album? If I remember, it it looked like about four years. Well, it was kind of like this album um, was kind of like I had just been recording songs, you know, for those four years, and then I I kind of took the ones that I thought fit together, and um, and I put them on an album, and I you know kind of did stuff, and I tried to make it more cohesive and flow well, and, uh, and then I. I that was the album. So it wasn't like I, I didn't sit down and there weren't like widest smiling faces sessions. Um, it just was all these songs were recorded over a long period of time um, and I just put them together. Where's my Yeah. 
How would you describe uh, the music on this album in your own words? Colorful. Um, I would describe it as uh, um, very imagery inspired. I think that when people listen to it, if they allow themselves to, they allow themselves to listen in the right way, they'll. It's very visual, very visual music, and they'll um, they'll they'll see it in a different way than they might typically see music. I don't. It's not really so much about the melodies or the. Uh, or the um, rhythm. It's really about the images that music can hopefully inspire. What are some of the creative approaches that you have looked at as far as getting your music exposed and out there? I think blogs are pretty important. I think stuff like this is pretty good. I think a lot of it is finding bands that you get along with and that you like their music and they like your music and you play shows with them. Um, Touring is important. Playing shows regularly. And just uh, being in touch with with your with the people that like you and with your fans, and it's very uh, very blue collar, I would say. Is there any one magic bullet that you can think of? No, no, not at all. No, I mean, I, you know, some people get lucky and then they have a magic bullet, but unless unless your your plan is to get lucky, I don't think there's there's really one. Now you've had some success with the uh, website. The61.com. Can you talk about what that website is about and uh, how you got your music on there and how, how it became a success? Well, I put my music on there and it, it did really, you know, it started out slow, but then it kind of built up and got its momentum. And I was on top of the experimental genre for like two months. And then I was, I was told to, um, that I should just put my whole album on there. And I was going to do that, you know, one song um, at a time, once, one a week. And uh, right when I was about to do that, uh, they totally changed the site. Um, and it was really a community-based site, so it was really good for the artists to communicate with their fans, and it was good for the fans to communicate with each other. And it was a really good way for, if you had something that people liked, for it to spread and there to be word of mouth. But they kind of um, totally gutted the whole community, um, and they kind of changed it into something that, that kind of looks like um, an iPod app which is good. I think they're still getting lots of viewers, um, but it's just, they totally, it, the, the site totally changed, uh, um, not for better or worse, just for, for totally different. And um, most of the people that I knew that were still on the site left, and it didn't really make sense for me to use it anymore. Are there any other sites out there that you recommend musicians check out? Bandcamp, I think it's really good. I did, I've done pretty well in Bandcamp. I was number one in a few genres on there. Um, it's a shame that MySpace is not what it used to be, um, but uh, I think that's still a good tool for musicians, um, kind of. But I would say the main thing is really uh, um, blogs and uh, stuff like this, interviews, and um, just trying to get, just trying to share your music with as many people as you can. I mean, that's really when you really think about it, it's really just down to its essence. You know, the real point of being a musician or being any artist is to share your music and to have people listen to it. Or if you're an artist, have people see it or a poet read it. And that's really just, I think, the thing to do is just let people see it. People want to see it, so or he, people want to hear it, so let them. Let's get back to your music again. Uh, what a couple of songs would you recommend people check out that would be a good representation of your style of music? 
I think the only lonely ocean is um, a pretty popular one. I would say um, cough syrup is a good one. And um, I would say uh, books and newspapers is another good one that kind of um, represents what I do a lot of the time. I mean, there's different stuff. There's also folkier stuff like My Room or Edge of a Knife that are kind of more rock and roll, but uh, stuff that um, the kind of more uh, indicative of what my normal stuff is would probably be that kind of stuff, the more intricate, layered, finger-picking kind of stuff. What's the best way to listen to your music? Uh, well, the, the instructions are right there on the album release <laughs> notes. Um, but I think, as I was saying before, I think Sam's... I was saying before about imagery, I think sometimes when you listen to music late at night and you're kind of half asleep and you kind of appreciate it a bit differently. And um, I think that people should listen to all music that way. If it's something that you think where there was kind of, I mean, it depends on the music. Not necessarily to listen to Lady Gaga that way, though I like Lady Gaga. But, um, you know, a lot of stuff where you, where where it's kind of more unconscious music I would say it's best to listen when you're a bit bit more out of it. Not necessarily on drugs or anything, but just more more when you're in a more introspective mood. Are there any other artists' music that you would equate your style to that's how you would prefer to listen to it? Or is it all – you said it wouldn't be all music because it wouldn't be Lady Gaga, but are there any other artists similar in style? I think most – I mean most stuff that's kind of – Introspective. I mean, I would say that uh, Bob Dylan, you know, Radiohead, Cigarettes, uh, Boards of Canada, um, even stuff like uh, you know MGMT or Animal Collective, um, a lot of indie stuff. Uh, uh, Joanna Newsom, Khaki King. I mean, the Peach Boys. Anything that's kind of soulful. I mean, uh, not saying that other stuff isn't soulful, but I think there's a certain kind of. Uh, expressiveness that uh, you can that can come out when you listen in certain ways. Different ways of listening to music bring out different things in the music. I mean, if you listen to uh, the Beach Boys, you know, the first thing when you wake up, it'll sound different than if you listen to it when you're trying to go to sleep. And that's the same with any music. Yeah, that's true. Now, you mentioned uh, The Only Lonely Ocean as uh, a very popular song of yours, and I know you've done a collaboration with illustrator Daniel Spencer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, he's a really, um, he's a friend of mine. Um, he makes really uh, great art. He's kind of, he does a lot of cartoony stuff, but as you can see if you look at it, and he also did my album cover, he's definitely a very soulful artist. You know, he he offered to do my album cover, and I was really honored that he wanted to do it. And so he did it. And then I had always kind of dreamed, right when I wrote the song, right when I wrote The Only Lonely Ocean, I always kind of dreamed, thought of it as kind of a children's storybook. Usually I write the the music before I write the lyrics, but in this case, and in the case of Edge of a Knife and a few others, I wrote the words first. And right when I wrote the words, I saw it more as kind of a children's story than anything else. And I had always kind of imagined there being a being it it's a children's story so when he was down to do the illustration for that i was really excited and uh, i'm really happy with the way it turned out it's kind of like a dream come true actually the only- 
sitting like a puddle With a crooked cloud on wizard winds Came floating in unsubtle Up above the rain my friendship from the sea So far away Said the cloud now of the best friends with daniel spencer well we both went to suny purchase and uh that's the good thing about going to an art school you get to meet a lot of uh people that are uh, you know worth um, collaborating with like right now i'm recording my album up at suny purchase with another purchase student who's you know in music production and uh it's just a great way to meet people if you you know meet cool people and you want to work with each other it's a fun to work with your friends where can people go to hear more about you and your music if you want to hear more about me i have a tumblr it's the widest smiling faces.tumblr.com i post on there sometimes it's interesting stuff i find around the world and um, i have a facebook which is facebook.com slash widest smiling faces if you want to download my album or just stream it you can download it for free or name your price, that kind of Radiohead thing, or you can buy a physical copy um, on at Bandcamp. It's the it's, You can just go to music.thewidestsmilingfaces.com um, or you could go to Bandcamp and then go to it through Bandcamp. There'll be a com site up soon, but it's not done yet. So right now it's just music.thewidestsmilingfaces.com and... Uh, and yeah, that and the Facebook and the Tumblr. All right, excellent. So what is next for Aviv Khan? Next is this album that I'm working on. Uh, I'm, I'm probably, hopefully, going to tour this summer and I'll go around the country and play around. I haven't done that yet, and I've always I've wanted to do it for a long time. Well, uh, thanks very much, Aviv, and I wish you luck on your endeavors, and maybe we can have you back after the tour, and you can talk about some stories from the road. That would be great. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have more, more interesting stories after after my tour and after I get out of my parents' basement. I'm sure I'll have <laughs> much more of a life to tell you about. <laughs> yep, that's all good. All right, thanks, Aviv. All right, thank you very much. Thanks again to Aviv Khan. Go ahead and check out his website and all of his resources. We're going to leave you with a little song by Aviv called Books and Newspapers. Thanks again for checking out Music Live Radio, and we'll catch you next time. I'm your host, Dan Sauter.
fire.